you know, the only reason why I even know my accents is because I pay, I pay $175 to a coach to learn a new accent for one session. So I spend a lot of money in my coaching. I have my accent coach, my nonfiction coach, my performance coach, and my business coach. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today I have a special treat. We have a guest who is an audiobook narrator. I've always wanted to have an audiobook person on my show, and thanks to Clubhouse, I was excited to make her connection. Before I bring up our conversation, I wanted to say that your support of my podcast would mean a lot to me. The easiest way is to buy me a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash LLTB podcast. Every coffee you buy me helps keep me alert and this podcast going. I'll add the link in the show notes and I thank you. Back to the show and back to my guest, Andy Garcia-Ruz. She's a Kansas City-based narrator specializing in YA, sweet, clean romance, dystopian, paranormal, fantasy, and inspirational health, religious, and self-help nonfiction. She specializes in the following accents, Spanish, French, RP British, Scottish, Irish, Indian, Macedonian, Trinidad and Tobago, and speaks Spanish and French. Andy's background as a mental health therapist has enabled her to bring the skill of empathy into the books she produces as she is able to uniquely understand the characters and bring them to life with genuine emotion and depth. Andy originally became inspired to narrate audiobooks while working on a cruise ship where space was a luxury and audiobooks were the answer. When she's not being confused with the other Andy Garcia, she enjoys spending time baking, traveling, writing, and watching the Kansas City Chiefs with her family and four babies. And here's audiobook narrator Andy Garcia Roos. Garcia Roos, welcome to the Living a Life Through Books podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. So, uh, you know, I know nothing about audiobooks other than I'm a consum. Okay, I consume audiobooks. Yes. Okay, I'm a huge consumer of audiobooks, but uh, I don't know much more about the production of it, what happens, all these weird names like ACH and then there are all this like you know you have Audible, Libro FM, you know iBooks has its own audio thing so let's talk about audiobooks for the beginner for me. Yeah so first thing is um, if you're an author and you're thinking about moving into the audiobook space number one good decision obviously it's a good avenue because it'll capture all that market of the disability community who maybe has vision impairment or dyslexia, or maybe they have physical needs. And so audiobooks is great. It's another niche market that is a really hardcore following. And I can even say as a listener, that's me. I've literally waited one to two years for the next book in a series to come out on audio before I'd read anything in paperback. I just wanted to hear the narrator. So they have a really hardcore following in audiobook world. So Congratulations if you're signing to do audiobooks. So basically, once you decide to do it, 
one of the first big questions you need to ask yourself is, do I want to do exclusive distribution or wide distribution? Because that'll make all the difference from your starting point. And basically what that means is when everybody thinks of audiobooks, I'm guaranteeing nine out of 10 people will automatically, first thing they think of is Audible because they right. have the absolute biggest market share. They're a beast. And so Audible, if you do an exclusive contract with Audible, you will go through ACX, which is their platform, and you will be distributed to iTunes and on Audible. If you choose to do a non-exclusive contract and do wide distribution, then there's like 50 or 60 different distributors you can go through, including like your local libraries. So if you want your book to end up in libraries, you need to go wide distribution. So that's the first thing to decide is what distribution you want to do. Because some people, they just want to be on Audible because they know it's a big market share and they might make the most money, et cetera. And they want to target just their focus marketing and stuff just for the Audible listener. But I know both sides of the coin and there's benefits to both. So. But uh, I'm going to stop real quick. You said Audible also distributes to iTunes. Mm -hmm. Is that the same as Apple Books or no? If because they're iTunes, Apple products, right? Yeah, so it should be, yeah, because they'll do Apple and Audible. So if you, have an AC, if you go through ACX, which is Audible's distribution house for audiobooks, then your books will go onto iTunes for a purchase and then onto Audible. Okay. But obviously okay. there's all the other things like, you know, Chirp and Kobo and Google Play. And those are all on the wide distribution net. Okay. Okay. So every, the wide distribution net. Uh, so I'm a Libra FM influencer. Mm. Ooh, I know. I get six free books every month from them. It's so exciting. But <laughs> so if you're not on ACA, ACX, ACX, right? Mm -hmm. What would you be on? And then that would distribute to, to so those Libby, other platforms. Yeah. So, so Libby is also, I, Libby, I mean, Libby, mm -hmm. Libby, mm -hmm. yep. Libby is a, a library app, right? I have it. Uh-huh. I do. Mm -hmm. Right. The library app. So each specific app purchases from a diff, like the warehouse, the other warehouse, how does that work? It's kind of weird because there's a thing called aggregators and an aggregator is going to be like, kind of like the middleman. So like, Here's your end destination. Here's somebody who's managing it and there's you. But the long and short of it is, if you're looking to do wide distribution, okay. then you need to go through a platform that does wide distribution. Okay. And there's a few that I would say that are kind of the market standard. There's um, production companies such as Find Away Voices, which is okay. huge. Okay. Um, there's Audiobooks Unleashed. There's Northern Audio. Um there's Spectrum, Blunder Woman, like there's like a handful of uh, Pink Flamingo if you're looking for like romance, like steamy romance. Because all the different production distribution companies kind of have a niche on like what kind of books they're kind of known for. Okay. But Find A Way is like a big general one. So is Audiobooks Unleashed and Northern Lakes. So yeah, lots of different options for you guys. Okay. So, all right. So you have a file that's an audiobook file that goes into one of these uh wide distribution warehouses i guess it's a server or something where they hold these audiobook files and then the companies actually 
purchase it from them? Is that how it works? Or? I'm not too sure on that end. Cause like I have a couple friends who own their own companies, but I don't own a company for distribution purposes, but yeah, like basically once you get the book with them, they have contracts with all the different individual distributing companies. So they'll have an individual contract with the 50 or 60 to go wide with, and then they'll just be in charge with pushing it out to them and getting them out and distributed for you. Okay. I'm just trying to think about where the money goes, you know, like, who I know, okay, as a consumer, okay, if I were to purchase a book or I have a, I have a um, membership with Libra FM, you know, you get like one book a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like with Audible, I get one credit like, a month. Mm-hmm. Like one credit a month, exactly. Like Libra FM is very similar to that. So you, uh, you're paying for that one free thing. So the money goes to this company, but what about, the original, like the producers and, you know, I'm just trying to track the money. Sure. I can, I can kind of explain a little bit. Um, Okay. So if you go through ACX, for example, which is again, Audible's distribution platform. Right, right, right. Then you'll get into, enter into a contract with them and they have two different contracts. You can go wide distribution or you can go exclusive. If you go exclusive with Audible, there's a certain period of time you have to keep your book exclusive with them. And don't quote me, I'll have to look it up. I think it's a year. And after okay. that time, you can go wide. Okay. But you get better rates if you go exclusive with Audible than if you sure. go wide distribution. Sure. And I mean, it's quite significantly wider, like okay. higher rates. Mm-hmm. But again, some people don't care about having higher rates with Audible because they want to reach the library population. So they want to go wide with Libby and all those other things. Sure. But basically what it'll be is, um, as an author, you enter into your contract with Audible. And I want to say it's like a, oh my goodness. It's either like, I may be about to pull up a contract and show you, but it's one, I want to say it's something ridiculous. Like Audible gets the biggest share. Of course. And then from that, and, and I don't even think it's either 50, 50 or 60, 30. It's something huge or so 60, it's a, 40 or 50, 50. So it's the cost per audiobook, and Audible yes. gets X amount of that money. Yeah. And then, I want to say, I want to say Audible gets 60% and then there's 40% left for you. If you're doing like a royalty share, then you split that 50-50. So it's 20% for the narrator, 20% for the author. If I'm speculating okay. that correctly, I'm trying to remember. Does the narrator get per sale then? Like, so the author gets per sale of the book, right? It, it, it kind of depends because there's there's four different options you can go through as an author. Okay. The first option, if you're trying to contract and hire a narrator, is called per finished hour or PFH. And with that, you're going to have your book, which... Audiobook industry standards estimates that anywhere from 9,300 words to 9,600 words is one finished hour. So okay. if you kind of did the math, say you have a, I'm going I'm to do simple math because I suck at math, but say you have sure. a 10-hour book Okay. and just for, just for simple math, because this okay. is not a- Sure, sure, sure. And you, yeah. your audiobook narrator charged $100 per finished hour. It doesn't okay. matter if it took me 40 hours to get this 10-hour book done. You can only charge for the 10 hours long that the book is. Right. So it would be 10 times 10 or 10 times 100. Correct. And that's how much you'd pay your audiobook narrator. And right. then after that, any sale or anything just goes straight to you. And the okay. reason why some narrators want to do the PFH um, contract is because, like, obviously, we record the book. We do the research. We do the prep, all that stuff. But most narrators... And I say most, because there are some who this is not the case for, but like, I'm really busy. I've always got books in my queue. I don't have time. I can, but I do not have time to sit and do the actual editing, 
proofing and mastering of my book in post-production after I've done narrating it. Because that's like, I want to say it's like a six to one ratio for every one hour of finished audio. It's an extra six hours on top of it to proof, edit and master it. So it's a long time. So I don't have time for that. So I outsource. Most of us have our own audiobook engineer post-production that handles proofing, mastering and editing. So I pay for that. So when we're looking for PFA, just because a lot of us, we at least want to come out even or maybe some kind of a profit margin because depending on who you hire, because just like anything, the more experience, the higher you pay. I would say audiobook engineers charge anywhere from 75 to 150 per finished hour to take care of your works. So that's one option is your per finished hour. Right. Second option is called a royalty share. Mm -hmm. And basically you don't pay anything to the narrator. So it doesn't cost you any upfront investment or capital. Right. That being said, the narrator takes on all the risk because they have to think, okay, what's this author's marketing plan? Is this book possibly going to sell well? And so we'll know, okay, this is a 10 hour book. It's going to cost me this much money to pay for my production costs. Right. So within a seven year contract agreement, I have to make back that money. Right. So that's a royalty share. You'll split the profits 50, 50 with the narrator and the author for sales. Right. And then there's royalty share plus, which is pretty popular on both sides. A royalty share plus would give you as a narrator, a reduced per finished hour fee. So let's say your, your audiobook engineer costs $75 per finished hour. Right. You as a narrator would say, I just need to have my costs covered. Just give me my costs covered. And so you'd pay the $75 an hour. And then you'd have your royalty shares. So you're not paying the full price because there are some audiobook engineers on the high end in the industry that charge like $400 per finished hour. And tr- I'm not one of them, but they're worth it. They're multi-award-winning, internationally renowned amazing narrators who are celebrities often. But on the lower end, if you want to get your costs covered, that's why people say, let me cover my costs for my narration expenses. So that's that. And then the last option is called, so PFH, Realty Share, that's Realty Share Plus. And then with the company Audiobooks Unleashed, they have what's called Royalties Deferred. And what that means is it's almost like a PFH contract, here, it's kind of weird. This is, this is like a game changer in our industry. Say I charged $250 per finished hour, but okay. you don't have enough money up front right now to just pay that times your book. Right. What they'll do is once the book goes on sale, 100% of the royalties would go to the narrator until they reach the total that they're due if they would have done a PFH. And after that oh, money is reached, okay. and after that dollar is reached, then all the money goes right back to the, to the author and they're out of the, they're done. It's like they're paying for a debt. Yes. Based yes. on their sales. Yep. So the sales are covering what's owed until it reaches that number. And then they're, then they're removed and then all the sales go to the author. What if the sales so, don't make it? That's a risk. That's on, on the audiobook narrator. I mean, I would say we hold the most risk in anything because when we go through and we look at books, we're, I'll be honest, the first thing we always do, we look at the cover because okay. we know what our audience wants. We know what sells. And there's times where I've like been like, I really want to do this book, but man, this cover is just, it's horrible. And sometimes you <laughs> have this kind of like real kind of come to Jesus. Let's talk moment. Hey, I will help you. I'll connect you to a great cover artist. If it's somebody I believe in, I even, I even maybe go 50, 50 with them. Uh-huh. Book covers, super important. Then we'll look at the genre of works because we know trends. We know 
what genres of books are selling right then, that kind of thing. Right. And if it's, if it's not a brand, brand new book, we'll look at their sales track. How is it selling on Amazon, for example, or where, what, or what do their reviews look like on Amazon or Goodreads or what is it? BookBub. I'm trying to think of all the different sources we'll look at. How are their reviews? What are people Goodreads, saying yeah, about Goodreads, them? Amazon, and yeah, you're right. Yeah. So we'll yeah. look at their reviews, see if people think about it. And then I would say last but not least, after we've looked at the cover, um, how it's selling. Also, if we think it's going to be a good fit, because if that author has a good marketing plan and I believe in them and I believe in the book and I trust them, then uh-huh. I'll absolutely join them. I've got an author right now that I'm doing a six book royalty share, which holy cow! in the narration world is people are usually like, oh, why would you do that? You're committing like a year to an author with books. But I, first of all, I love, the, I love these books. I love narrating them. I literally dream about my characters. I love them. Okay. And she's a great author. It's, it's easy to read. Some books are harder to translate into the audiobook form. It's a great read for aloud. And she's got a great marketing plan. And I believe her. She puts a lot of time and energy into promoting her books. Mm-hmm. And so I like that. And so I, I have confidence in her and I join her in her endeavors. So I so think royalty kind of share is basically, I'm, I'm, I know you went over all of this and you're like, gosh, did you not pay attention? I'm like, I was, I'm trying, I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying. <laughs> like, it's a lot. I'm info dumping on you. So you're you are totally info dumping on me. And I'm going to, you know, when I'm editing this podcast, I'm going to listen to this. I'm going, what you just asked her, why didn't you just rewind the podcast? I can't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like royalty share is when they pay you nothing, nothing. You just basically are recording and you're giving them this audiobook. And actually you are paying your producers for that extra well, six I'm hours. Actually in, I'm actually in the hole on any royalty share book. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. You're, you're in the hole. You're not even at zero. You're in negative mm-hmm. because you're paying yep. the people to smooth it all out and make the audio look great. And then you're trusting that the royalty of the book, you're going to get a share of it mm-hmm. for the life of the book. Yep. Okay. Am I even allowed to ask you who this author is or no? Is that? Oh yeah, off? absolutely. Yeah. Her name's Carolee Miller. She writes, um, well, she writes a lot of stuff, but right now I'm narrating one of her YA series. Okay. It's kind of a vampire diaries meets twilight. And that okay. target audience is not just in the teens and young, like twenties, but a lot of women that are my age in their thirties who have kind of nostalgia for like vampire diaries and twilight have it's just been consuming this material and we love it it's so good it's so well written a good love triangle is always good too what is the uh name of the series it's called the cursed series okay so there's like eternal curse eternal choice eternal bond eternal love eternal promise eternal life okay okay i i haven't heard of it i mean i'm gonna go look for it but okay so that's wow so what you are a narrator so you're an actress kind yeah you pretty much read the books and the voice and the characters and all of that. Mm-hmm. And do you read all the characters or how does that work? So, okay. So there are different kind of narrators. There are audiobook narrators who don't really do character voices. They'll do more like subtle changes in each dialogue. So, you know, there's a differentiation between who speaks me personally. I do character voices and I don't mean character like caricature like oh it's dramatic mrs potts over here but i'll do i take notes from my authors when i get like a when i get a book contract i'll send them a welcome packet and i'll say hey i want you to go through your characters with me tell me in your mind who are these people like is there anything i should know about them 
Do they sound a certain kind of way? Um, are they going to appear in a later series book? Because that's important to know. Because if I in book one, which I've done in book one, give some random character an accent and then they show up in book six and it says this character speaks with a Brazilian accent. And I'm like, oh, so yeah, so we ask. <laughs> well, you know, they were British in the first book and yes. they just happened to, you know, live in Brazil for the six years. And so now they required a Brazilian accent for book six. That's Absolutely. how it works, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I meant to do. So yeah, I always ask them, what are some nuances about these characters? And I'll get things like they're kind of broody or she's outgoing or she's a strong feminist role or, you know, this guy's older sounding. And then I have the luxury of creating those characters. And I go out and I do it I read the whole book through. I read the whole book through and I'll get to know these characters. And I have my own character analysis that I go through and I create what I think. And I take inspiration from everywhere. People I know, movies. I had a principal in a book that I based off the principal from a goofy movie, the Disney movie. So, I mean, okay. you know, we're going to get inspiration. <laughs> but yeah, I do character voices. I also do accents. Um, I've had everybody from Irish, Greek, Spanish, French, Scottish, RP British, Indian. I've had every accent, Gaelic. I've done goblins. I've done everything. So, wow. So, do you even do Indian uh, dialect? And um... no, I. What I'll do is, um, if this is a, a book that's going to be released in like the U.S. and maybe the U.K., where it's an English first language, we have a little bit of flexibility on some of our um, non-English speaking accents, because if we can get the general flavor without ever being disrespectful, rude, or caricaturish with our accents, then we'll get the point across. Now, if I'm doing Scottish, Irish, or British, those are English speaking accents. So we're more adept to go, that doesn't sound quite right. So we have to be really, or Australian, we have to be really careful with those. But if I speak French or I do my Spanish or like my Russian, we can kind of get the, the flavor of it. So we'll kind of do like more of like a, a general accent for some of those non-English speaking ones. Okay. Unless yeah, it's told to us. We have, unless it's specified, like um, I had an author and her book said Spanish. And I'm like, well, we can't just say Spanish because there, there could be Mexican Spanish. There could be Portuguese Spanish. There could be, or it said Hispanic, pardon me. It could be Cuban or Puerto Rican, very different flavors on how they sound. So if you specify then I can adapt it, just like in the U.S., you can't just say, have an American accent. Okay, where? Chicago sounds completely different than Kansas City versus Texas versus Alabama. Versus so we'll, Boston, we'll you know, Boston, 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 Boston. Yeah, yep, yep. absolutely. <laughs> so right. be specific on what you want. And then what we'll do is we record what's called the first 15. We'll record 15 minutes of a book. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I don't do first 15. I'll do a 15-minute piece that includes lots of key characters, for example. And then we submit that to the author and we give them the chance to listen and say, good job. Love what you did here. Or they may say, hey, can you twist this a little bit? And that's their chance to give input. But after they approve that first 15, we are free to do the rest of the book in our artistic way. So that's kind of after the first really 15, you're like, you are done for. I've just changed this accent. <laughs> Whoa. You know, yeah. <laughs> so that's why that's why it's really good to know. I, I'm really close to all my authors mm -hmm. because I think as the more you know, and not everybody's like this. So I can't speak because I'm sure there's benefits to being very maybe see people who are more hands off. They just want to 
have an interaction on an email and that's it. But not me. Cause I feel like if I know my authors, I know where their head's at and then I know how to make their books come alive. So cool. Cool. And you can, um, because there's some books that have several actors in mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and then some it's the same actor, but I mean, you can't even tell, like, it's just like, what the heck is this the same person reading these yep. TV? like you're like what I mean I've been on stage I mean but I'm not that that talented to switch things around to where it feels like three different characters it's crazy yeah. and in all fairness sometimes like if I do like fantasy or if I do sci-fi or heck even some of my YA where there's like a huge ensemble of characters like in a friends group or whatever I have a file and it says voices and I have subfolders for every book I've ever done. And then in those subfolders, I have every character voice. So I'll record it and I'll save it in there. That way, if I'm ever like, oh goodness gracious, what I make Janie sound like in book one at two minute mark, you know, when I'm on book five and I can go back and refer to them because you want to have a lot of voices at your hand. But again, sometimes if it's just like a nondescript like character, it was like the cashier said, thank you. I don't need to go and create a big character voice for thank you. You know, but right. yeah, I also do dual narration. So I have a partner who's a male and like, we'll alternate chapters. Like I'll do chapter one. He'll do chapter two. That's the male's point of view. And I do chapter three and we're back and forth. Or you can do duets, which would be like your partner. You read every line. So I'll read all the female lines. They read all the male lines, which is a lot more intense. That's a, a lot. And then who reads project. the actual narration then? W- say what? Like if you're reading the female lines and he's reading the male lines, who's reading the narration and the description and all of that? Right there. Well, it's like broken down kind of like in the narration by it. So it'll be like, she came over and did this. Hey, what are you doing? She said. And then he'll go, I'm over here. I'm doing this. He said, you know, so we'll kind of break it down like that. It's a really, duets are very meticulous, both on the producing producing side and then on the editing side. And then, like you said, you can have a multicast ensemble of seven narrators who are all just part of the pro- the, pro- uh, the production or an audiobook drama which literally every character they're speaking which almost is more like a play and I don't I haven't done any audiobook dramas I've stuck to more like solo narration or dual narration oh wow this is an information dump girl I'm yeah, like it's, whoa it's such a fascinating I mean it's so neat when you get to peek behind the curtains and see all the things that go on on our side behind the scenes Right. So, okay. So you got a book, you record the book, then you send it to your production team to clean it up. Yep. And I'm guessing your production team has a copy of the book and the script and everything. Yep. So, so they'll would... have a copy of the manuscript. And if, um, if I have any misreads or sometimes I, I'll do it. Sometimes I invert words. I'll say, you know, the house or something like that. It was the houses or or sometimes I just change the whole sentence completely because apparently in my mind it sounded better. I don't know. And I'll, and I'll get my pick. They're called pickups. So I'll get my pickups back and I re-record all those errors that I messed up on. Uh-huh. And I send it back to my engineer and he drops them into the audio files very seamlessly to replace the errors. Right. That's kind of tricky because I've noticed like with my podcast, so I'm recording right now with you, but then once I... I'm done with this. If I were to go in and cut mm-hmm. what I'm saying and re-record the same thing, that audio sound is a little different because like where I'm 
talking to you right now, where I am to the microphone and all of that is a little different and it's recorded on Zoom, but I go on GarageBand and I'm recording the same words and all of a sudden it sounds so much louder or it just, the, the quality of the sound and the, the uh, spirit of it is just so different. And I'm kind of yeah. like, oh, forget that. That's, that's where that mastering comes in. It's, it's very, very important. And so like I have, um, I use for my digital audio workspace, my software is called Studio One. Okay. So I record everything in there, but then I also have my mastering software, which is called RX7. And that's where I go in and I adjust literally anything and everything, a breath, a click, the volume, the gain, how big it is. And I had to make it exactly sound, like I said, has to sound exactly the same. So you wouldn't know there's a difference, which is why I don't do a lot of editing because it takes a long time. That's why I pass it off to my engineer. Which is why my podcast is I'm sorry about the audio quality today, but <laughs> you know what? This is what it is because I've been trying and I'm just like, it's like a headache and a half. And then people are like, well, stop using GarageBand, use this. And GarageBand did an update. And I haven't updated the new update because I've just got a new computer and it's the new GarageBand. And it's relearning everything because the old GarageBand had everything really nice. And it was all like when you produced it, it was all compressed. Everything was great. And now it's like every single thing is like your volume changes. And I'm kind of like, and then there were all these colors and I'm just kind of like, Oh, I need a, I need a degree in the sound engineering. I know. It's something. There is a free program called Audacity. A U D A Audacity. Some people use Audacity. I don't use Audacity, but I know that I've heard them say the same thing when they're like they're trying to learn it and they're like, oh, and there's an update. Ah, oh, I lost my stuff. Right, and it's it's relearning where what, and I'm just kind of like, I just want to hit a button and say, this is a podcast. Take care of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please make it at the podcast sound. And actually in my software, I do have that. So I have different setups. I have a one for sounds. So that way if I do an audiobook versus if I do a commercial voiceover versus if I do a podcast. So I have them all broken down. So when I click to enter, all those settings are preset so that I'll sound a certain way for each of those different types. Right. I still haven't figured out the presets on the it's tough <laughs> on the garage band. And I, you know, I looked at somewhere and it's like, click here, click there. And nope, that didn't do it. That's the it's, sound it's so setting. Tough. And I'm kind of like, what are you, pe-? I'm just like, you know what? It's fine. It sounds good on the podcast. I mean, it doesn't sound like, whoa, like NPR or something, but it sounds <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, NPR, they have like a million sound engineers. Okay. This is not fair. So I'm like, yeah, this in, is NPR's good. like sounds like they're in your room whispering with you in the closet. <laughs> right. And and you know, it's just so smooth. And then the in, mm-hmm. and then the music is just like the most oh. perfect. Like they had a uh music composer just for that segment. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so like, hard, so hard to do. I'm just like, listen, people, this is just a podcast. Okay. I'm just giving out bookish information. <laughs> just leave me be, okay? Like <laughs> Okay, so then you got your finished file Mm -hmm. and then depends on your author if they want it to go on ACX which is Amazon only or the Amazon with a wide distribution Mm -hmm. but then that the author takes the file and they do that right or do you do no nope so um in any capacity either I'm uploading all the file onto ACX and then I'll hit 
submit for review, and then the author is able to hear all of the fa the files and the chapters. Because some of my authors like to listen to the whole book through. Some of them are like, nope, I don't want to have time. I trust you. I know that the engineer took care of everything. So it kind of depends. Mm -hmm. And then they'll hit okay, and then I'll hit okay, and then it goes over to audible's q a which is acx's q um not q a qa quality assurance team mm -hmm. and then they do a last minute check to make sure all the sounds are perfect and likewise if you went through a distributor like find a way or audiobooks unleashed i would upload the files to them and then they would take care of all that as well so the author doesn't have to worry about uploading okay so you would upload and then so you're kind of essentially distributing it sort of you you upload and then they distribute it that and yep, then it's uh, yep. so honestly the author doesn't do too much other than hopefully you know work on marketing and promoting hey got audiobook coming up everybody get excited you know right so the author's contract is with you to get the audiobook and then the contract is with uh find away voices or audible or whatever that contract is to get paid for the audiobook. So that's the two author contracts, basically. Yeah, right? visual contract on the distributor side and then with the narrator. But those are already like built-in contracts for whatever place you go to. So you don't have to worry about making those or anything. What do you mean? Wait a minute. The author doesn't have to make it? What do you mean? Like make the no, contract? Cause like, yeah, because there there's already a contract. So if you hit like, I want to do this, then like they already have a contract like with all the, the language and everything. The only thing that I've ever done that's like, an external contract is sometimes I've had authors who I found a book and I've like loved it. And maybe it's a royalty share only, you know, and I'm like, I can't really take on any more royalty shares right this moment because I'm in, right. I'm, I'm too far in the red. Um, but I love this book and they'll say, you know what? I'll pay you to cover your, your, um, your editing costs. So I might send them a contract, but we've already entered into a contract or whatever, or we, they don't want to mess with creating a new contract. So I'll basically create an addendum that says, hey, you're going to pay this and we'll do that offline. And that's it. So that's the only time I've ever seen like external contracts. Okay. But then basically the contract will say something that you're going to record this book mm -hmm. and you're going to upload it into mm -hmm. the find a way voices. And it's also a contract between the author has a contract with find away voices. And this is the author's contract with find away voices. Mm -hmm. And all of it is in one contract. Mm -hmm. yep. So it's not two separate contracts where the author's like, here's my contract with find away voices. And then you're like, here's your contract with me. It's all in one contract sign and done. Yep. Mm -hmm. So what's the, um, what's that uh, acronym? Uh, D-R-M-D something. You know, digital, there's a, like a, to prevent privacy, you know, or oh, to the Yeah, I, I heard a guy talking about that in one of our clubhouse rooms, and I had never, never heard of it, um, ever. But Vaughn had chimed in, he's an audiobook engineer, and he had said that those are all built-in protective measures on any place you go, whether it's find a way or spoken realms or audiobooks unleashed or ACX and they're built in. So you don't have to worry about that. Cause like they can't, nobody can go in and like download. Um, I don't even think in audible, if you have a file, you can like download it and then share it. Now there's always, 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 I'm sure, you know, going to be 
hackers in like the dark web or something who probably know everything about my life and could come find anything they want. But um, so I'm sure that exists because I have author friends, tons of them. And they've told me that they've, they've heard about different works of theirs getting, you know, put out on sale somewhere and they're not getting any money from it. Somebody else is selling their works. Right. So it's a very real, I think, concern. And I don't want to dismiss that at all, but I've never heard of, you know, I've never heard of anybody's audiobook getting pirated. So I'm not sure that's reassuring or not, but I've never heard of it. So that's promising. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to talk to, I'm going to have Vaughn here at some point where uh, we're recording. I'd, I'd have to see when he's coming on. So I'm recording with him too Yay. about audiobooks. So I'm going to ask him about that one too, because, yes. because the, the big thing is I'd have to, I'd have to go onto my Libra FM, um, uh, look at the blog, the Libra from blogs and stuff. There's something that they talk about that our audiobooks are something free, which means you can take this audio file and you can play it on any player kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it went through well, it's audible, it's proprietary and you can only play it on through the audible app. Yes. That's what I was talking about. You know, gotcha. that uh, Similar to iTunes, you, know, you had to play it through iTunes, for example, or Google Play. That right. That makes a lot of sense. Right. But apparently the Libra FM one, you own it and you can you can keep the file and you can play it through a different player or something like that, which makes a lot of sense because if, yes. if for whatever reason Audible went under, then what happens to all these books? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, but then, you know, at least with Libra FM, at least you'd have the book and mm-hmm. unless all audiobooks went under, you're like, yeah. like, I doubt that, but, but yeah. Okay. Whew, this is cool. Anything else you want to talk about audiobooks, books? I mean, anything? I think, I think the biggest thing is, you know, just really a couple things, just, you know, educating authors about what it looks like, because there have been, there have been times where. I think there's maybe misunderstanding of what it's like because I mean, trust me, I love this. I love, 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 love making audiobooks. It's like my passion, but it's a hard, it's a really hard job because little things like, even like you mentioned, you know, especially in books, I do a lot of books with male characters, which is fine. I'm perfectly capable of creating those, but they're in the lower range of my vocal vocal range. And so they're a little bit harder to sustain for extended periods of time, for example. So if it's 10 o'clock at night and I'm trying to record a whole chapter from a male point of view, I might go, oh, I just can't do this chapter tonight. He's, he's, it's too much to do. Here. So <laughs> he's got to wait. He's, he's got to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, you know, we have a really weird life. I record at all kinds of times and you have to do a lot of self-care, make sure your voice is there. And we do a lot of listen backs. You know, we, our software pre-rolls to like maybe five seconds. So we can make sure we sound the same as we go. It's a lot of work. Obviously, it's expensive to get all this equipment and stuff set up, but the best thing is when we have really good authors who communicate with us. I think that just what makes it so, so wonderful. And I'd also say, you know, if you're thinking about putting your book into audiobook and maybe you're like an aspiring author or you're newly writing and you already know I'm going to want to put this into audiobook format, be aware of how you're writing in that there's little things that are important that don't translate well into spoken word. Like if literally every line is little, she said, he said, she said, he said, he said, she said, I mean, it literally can sound like, whoo, or keywords like, um, 
You don't think about how words are hard to pronounce. So what we always encourage authors to do is sometimes as they're writing is kind of say a little bit out loud every so often and go, does that sound okay? Because that'll help you to know. Like, for example, you know what the hardest words that almost any narrator will tell you is to say? What? Like, I have problems with February. I can't say February. Oh, I, I would take February any day. Some of the hardest words for us to say, we all joke about it. It's like a, an ongoing joke. Is, I don't even know if I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> Grasp or grasps or gasps. Gasps. That's the hardest one. Gasp. Yes. She gasped. She gasped. Gasp. It's gasp. It's really hard. And you'd be surprised how many gasps there are in so many books. So yeah, just little fun tidbits, but I would encourage anybody who's one of your podcast listeners, if they have any random questions, just send me an email or shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, because I am more than happy to educate anybody and everybody, because I think the more we know collectively, the better everybody's business is going to be. We're going to have better quality. We're going to do better things and we're going to do more of them. So great. I'm going to go look at my book now. I'm going to do a find gasp. Gasps. I'm so I'm so excited. I think every author is going to go, man, I have 52 gasps in there. I'm it's, just going to, I'm like, once I get done, I mean, every time I'm doing this, I'm going to be like, oh, gasp. That's going to be like, gasp. Oh, and it, it, but the, pro- the problem is it's a great word. It conveys, as soon as you see that word, it, you know, exactly like the emotion associated, you can see it. It's a great visual word for a reader. It's just when you're listening as an audiobook narrator, we're always like, oh, I'm, I'm on take 10 for this word. Okay, okay here we yeah, go. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> just because it's, think gasp. about it. Gasps. Gasps. She gasps. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I did not consider gasps. Yep, gasps. Gasps is the, it just, think about it. The more you say it, the, the funnier it's going to sound to you. Gasps. She gasps really loud. <laughs> She gasps, just gasps, not gasped. Yes. <laughs> oh, even, oh, gasped is also anything gasp, gasps, gasped, right? Gasp, yes. gasp. It's a gas. It I- is- <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I know it's like, what is this? We're talking about audiobooks, and um, are you an author yourself? Or um... I am an aspiring author. I've got two novels I've been working on. Yeah, and I'll be honest. The problem is, is that I, which is a great problem to have. I'm, I'm really busy with my audiobook work, and but and since I do split schedules, like I record in the morning, I record in the afternoon, and then I record when my family goes to bed. So usually I'm I'm too tired. So every once in a while, if I'm like okay, I got a couple of days off. I'm gonna try to write something like NaNoWriMo came out. I'm like, oh yeah, what are we going to do? And I was like, nope, you got six books due. Okay. I'm not going to do that. So. Oh, right. It, it, it is tricky. You just gotta, with the writing thing, you just gotta, I guess you gotta do it. I mean, I'm not an author yet. I have, um, I'm working on my, um, on the reread, my second reread, because I, I wrote the first Ooh. draft and then I read through the whole thing with minor edits here and there, but I wrote a whole bunch of notes and now I'm rereading and now I'm actually. Ooh, what, what genre is it? Is it nonfiction or fiction? Fiction. First of all. Fiction own voices. Oh, women's fiction, women's fiction own voices. 
I like that. I like that. We need yeah. more of that. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just a yeah. Anyway, <laughs> like I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've already told you the whole story with three yas, right? <laughs> it's like the story goes in my brain. Go, oh yeah, I told her that. Yeah, okay. Story goes in my brain. Yeah, story yep. goes in my brain. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I've told you the whole story. There you go. Totally get it. Totally get it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, what I'm doing is my second time around. Now I have all my notes. So I'm actually now when I'm writing, I'm editing and then I will read it out loud. Once I read it out loud, I'm going, what? Wait, no, no, no. Fix this, fix that. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm doing that. And because when I took my notes, I took down on page, this is this and page that I want to move things around. But then if I move things around, then page what? (laughs) We'll all get messed up. So I, I was you like, should uh, see mine. Mine's a huge mess. I've got a, a YA dystopian and a YA kind of romance. So yeah, it's, it's a mess if you saw mine. Right. But, but the thing is, you just need to get an accountability partner, someone yes. who's on your case every day. And what have you written today? And I'm like, nothing. Right. Like I have, I've been like chatting with my accountability partner and she'd be like, have you written today? I'm like, no. She's like, quit chatting, go. She's like, no, stop, stop, stop chatting. Stop talking to me. Stop texting me. Text me back after you're done. <laughs> like what? That's a go. good accountability partner though. Yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's really good. So I'm kind of like, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go do this, you know? So, uh, but yeah, no, I am really love all the stuff you've given me because I've always wanted to talk to someone who lives and breathes audiobooks. Yeah. It's, and I, it's, it's amazing. I love it. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, and even on nonfiction, I've done nonfiction too. And I love, I love nonfiction to me. Nonfiction is a little easier because it's not as demanding with managing a hundred characters or whatever, you know? Right. But you know, it's so great. Cause you always learn something with nonfiction. Like you're like, Oh, that was great knowledge to have. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great on, and there are some narrators who only do fiction or only do nonfiction. I just do both, but yeah, I love it. It's, So I I think I told you in the group or maybe I didn't, but, um, I was in a car accident a couple of years ago, hit by somebody really tragic. And, you know, I've got a brain injury. And so I, I didn't, I couldn't speak, you know, I had strokes and epilepsy. And so learning to talk again was a big barrier for me. And I started doing audiobooks before I was producing them. I was like, okay, I'm just going to start reading aloud. I started reading aloud in my closet and like that, even more than going to my speech therapist, really just helped my brain heal. So obviously I can talk today and that's part of why I just, I love it so much because I feel like it's part of my healing journey. And so now I'm just grateful every day that I can talk and I can share stories and that I can just be like using my tongue. It's amazing. The things we take for granted yeah. Just our ability to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, when you lose one ability, and it's like a small ability, ability to talk. Yeah. But you don't think about every little thing we do every day, our bodies just seamlessly just does. Like mm-hmm. listening, seeing, smelling, oh, you know, yeah. with like COVID, like people who lose their sense of taste and smell, you just don't, you're like, eh. It tastes good. It smells good. Fine. And then you lose it. And it's just completely like, yes. whoa. 
right? Yep. So I'm eternally grateful. Audiobooks are my baby. I feel like they're just part of me. So I love it. Yay. Well, anything else audiobooks before we close shop here? Or no, what do you I think, think that's it. Just feel free to message me any questions or anybody else can message me any questions and I'll be happy to answer them. I'll give you a hundred percent honest answers that you'd always want to know. Even if they're stupid, I'll help you out with them. So <laughs> there's no stupid questions, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Because if, because I do have some author friends and then there are some aspiring authors who might be listening to this podcast and be like, hmm, I'm going to contact this Andy character and see what she has to say. Yeah. Because so. I mean, you don't know what, what you don't know, right? Right. You just don't know. And right. so it's, it's just good to, if you like, I don't know what to think about that. Let me find out. And on the flip side, you know, I think it's always great if authors you know, have talks with audiobook narrators to say, Hey, I wish narrators knew this or, you know, whatever. But the one thing I will say is that I, I wrote this down as like a quote once I said, you know, I think making an audiobook is like preparing a dinner. You know, the author provides a recipe, we cook the meal and the listeners eat it. So as much as a book is your baby, when you're writing it, it is truly your baby. It becomes our baby too. I mean, we have ownership in it and we're pride, we're, we're happy, we're proud of it. We put our blood, sweat, tears and our health into it. So that's why it's such an intimate relationship. And I hope that all the others know how much we truly are honoring them and we want to honor their works too. That is absolutely beautiful. I, I think that's a great note to end on. So I just want to say thank you so much for You're coming welcome. on and sharing all your wonderful knowledge and wisdom. I hope you all learned something about the world of audiobook narrations. And if you have any other questions, please do not hesitate to get in touch with Andy. I'm adding her contact information in the show notes. And that's all I have for now. Before I go, I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, you know the name, but you'll be a part of a much different story one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code L-L-T-B podcast. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the links in the show notes. If you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Join the conversation with me on a new app called Swell. My tag on Swell is at Bookish Podcast. It's an audio app for podcast listeners like yourself. You will find something there that will interest you that you can interact with. And it's a great way to chat with me. Check it out. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shanazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books, signing off. 
remember to water the seeds with the new. It's time. <laughs>